One of the things, topics that comes up quite a bit these days, I find, especially um, if you have friends with younger children, is the topic of food allergies. And often when we think back, we, you know, people who are a little bit older, uh, I was born in the 70s, we talk about the fact that when we were young, there didn't seem to be as many of them, or at least not as many kids who suffered from them. Um, you know, that there weren't sort of dietary restrictions at schools and so on. Um, and how much that's changed and why. Uh, and, and many people I know have kids who have some form of food intolerance or food allergy. Uh, and it's a big problem. I mean, it's, it's a big issue because it changes the way the whole household has to eat. It makes food something you have to be careful about. Um, and, and that is something that is worth talking about, worth looking into. Um, more than 3 million Canadians total self-report at least one food allergy. That's self-reporting. Half a million kids under the age of 18 have food allergies, according to the government statistics. So it's stuff like peanuts, shellfish, soy, wheat, tree nuts, uh, sesame seeds, dairy, eggs, you name it. There's a lot out there. The list is long and the allergies are becoming increasingly common in kids and adults. Um, the health risks are obviously serious. Uh, the U.S. stats show that 150 to 200 people die each year from food-related allergies. Well, they lead to about 30,000 ER visits in the U.S. alone. Again, it also impacts quality of life uh, for both the child or the person who has these food intolerances or food allergies, and it can put added strain on an already strained healthcare system, as we well know. There's no cure, per se, but we are getting better at treating them. We're learning more about them, and that's the good news. Uh, but joining me with more, joining me now with more on this is Dr. Douglas Mack. He's an assistant clinical professor of pediatrics at McMaster University. Thanks so much for your time tonight. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So it's not our imagination. Um, food allergies certainly seem to be far more prevalent uh, now than they were years ago. What are some of the more basic explanations for what we're what we're witnessing? I think there's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of reasons why we think this is happening, and I think. To be honest with you, I think it's a kind of a perfect storm of, of 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 so many different factors. I mean, I think at baseline, there's probably a genetic susceptibility to some of this. I mean, our genes do determine some degree of where we're coming from. You know, I think allergic parents tend to make allergic kids. That doesn't mean that, you know, if you have a peanut allergy, your kid's going to have a peanut allergy, et cetera, et cetera. But the tendency toward developing allergies is something that we do see running in families and, and ethnicities, et cetera. Um, but there's so many other factors here. And, and I, I think the hygiene hypothesis is, is one of our dominant ones as to why general allergies are increasing. And certainly that contributes to food allergy. Um, the hygiene hypothesis is basically, you know, if you think about the way that we used to live, you know, this is a romantic view of how do we used to live, but, but the way that we used to live where we were outdoors, where we were playing in the dirt, where we were eating food that wasn't sanitized or sterilized, or, you know, uh, we didn't have Purell's in our bag uh, right. all, at all, all the time that may actually affect our ability to develop a proper immune response to certain things. And, and I think, in fact, interestingly, the antibodies that cause allergies are generally um, used in, in nature to fight parasites and other types of similar infections. So we're not getting those infections anymore. And as such, the children and, 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 our, and adults um, are not having that same degree of stimulation. So as we sanitize ourselves, as we urbanize ourselves and stay indoors, et cetera, it, there's some great data to show that as that occurs, we actually see a, a, an increasing in allergies uh, just in, in general. 
I think that's part of it, okay? And, and these are all going together. Um, we have vitamin D hypothesis as well. But I think what, what we've found from a food allergy specifically in the past couple of years, for years and years, we as allergists and pediatricians said to prevent a food allergy, what you have to do is you have to avoid this um, in pregnancy and breastfeeding. The children can't introduce milk into a year, uh, eggs until two, peanuts, nuts, fish, shellfish, three, four, five years of age. Okay, and that was the the American Academy of Pediatrics in 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 the year two thousand. The biggest problem with those recommendations is that they were not based on really a ton of data, largely on personal opinion, some degree of data, but not strong data, and so you found that societies were starting to allergy society were starting to say like maybe we should be doing this earlier and and there was a there was a study that looked at the rate of peanut allergy amongst israeli jews and jews that were living in the uk and in the uk they would say avoid peanut until an older age and then in, in israel they were giving it very early and they found a tenfold difference where the kids in in is england uh were actually had a tenfold higher increase in in the rate of peanut allergy and so there was a clinical trial a randomized control trial in the year 2000 well published in the year 2015 and it was a very simple design what they did is they took about 640 children uh, at a very, very early age, and they said, okay, for half of you who are at risk for developing peanut I'm going to give you uh, peanuts at a very early age. And the other you know, half of them would do exactly what the guidelines suggested, avoid until the age of five. Okay, that, that's it. Very simple design. And at the end of the five years, they found about an 80 to 85% reduction in the rate of peanut allergy simply by giving them peanuts at a very early age. And I think this was groundbreaking and probably the biggest paper that I'm going to see in my career because it basically showed that the what we were recommending as a guideline was exactly the opposite thing that these kids should be doing. And, and so I think that that's a big one of the, you know, a big part of not, not the only reason why food allergy rates are kind of going up. So, uh, or, and hopefully as we, you know, figured this out, we can start to correct some of this, but yeah, we're, we're getting a better understanding of why, but also a better understanding of how to treat it, right? Um, but I, I was just surprised that peanuts is always an interesting one because I gather it affects about two in 100 Canadian children. It feels like more than that anecdotally. Um, but why peanuts? <laughs> Great question. Now, that's, a, that's even trickier. Um, and I think it may be partially to do with the way that it, that it's, that when we roast it, we may change the allergenic structure, okay, um, to make it more allergenic so you in a lot of parts of the world they'll boil it um and or, or eat it raw <clears throat> which doesn't taste that great from my opinion but anyways um but when you roast it you may change the structure right but that's pure speculation and i think we do not understand why i mean it doesn't make any sense why we we have any of these allergies i mean why should a body recognize dog as being harmful or ragweed or you know any of these types of, of these things that are naturally occurring that should let me if you think about what an allergy it, it is it is ludicrous to think that a food could could very quickly kill a patient i mean this doesn't make doesn't make a lot of sense why specifically for peanuts there are so many hypotheses as to why that is but all i can say is that we know that by giving it early in 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 these populations we can prevent it and unfortunately we have no good idea as to why it's specifically one of the kind of leading reasons for this but you are correct it's it's literally everywhere and it's something that that it has caused a lot of challenges for so many of our patients um 
we were talking about something interesting earlier that oftentimes, and, and you mentioned this with the Israeli study, with the Israeli-UK study, um, that in other parts of the world, food allergies aren't as common. And you were mentioning that uh, that, that even children who come here uh, develop food allergies. When, so, And you talked about the hypotheses in this, but it does, it must create challenges for families with differing attitudes towards food allergies in general. You got it. I mean, I think this is it's it's we see a clear link between urbanized, you know, urbanization and great data out of South Africa, where living in a rural setting, your risk of food allergy is five times less than if you're in an urban setting. We're seeing the same thing in China. We're seeing, you know, uh, so many of my patients who are moving from Asia or Africa or other countries that were in more developing types of countries. Their families had never even heard of you know food allergy. It doesn't make any sense to them, and 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 there was some great data actually looking at that immigration pattern and what it does to families. And actually, some out of Australia where they showed that patients, children of patient of people who had immigrated from South Asia or East Southeast Asia, had a significant increase in the risk of developing food allergy. And it and it's and it's fascinating that these patients had never even encountered this living in their native countries. And but it does pose a problem because. Unfortunately, the severity of what can occur if a patient is is exposed to this is is also not understood well in, in that because they just never have had to expose it. I mean, I have families who don't even believe that this exists, you know, and I think that that you know, no fault of their own, but they just literally have never encountered this. So it definitely poses problems when we're trying to manage this and say, okay, you need to avoid this, and and here's your epi, you know epinephrine auto injector, and, and this is how you use it, um, and and then and and then other family members may say, ah, I don't believe this. Here, try it again. And this child has a severe reaction. So this is something that we see quite routinely um, in my clinic. And, and I, once again, no blame. We, we understand why, because it just is, you know, in, in, in India, the rate is about 0.14%, whereas, you know, it's, it's, it's far, far higher in other parts of the world. But once again, that shift is occurring. Uh, and interestingly, that, that migration seems to affect it as well. So it is, a, it's fascinating, and it does 100% um, pose problems. And, and I think, you know, I think if, 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 if you were just to kind of never have encountered these, these types of things in, in your life, you also wouldn't understand it. And, and, and until you've experienced it, until you've seen a kid or, a, or an adult have a severe allergic reaction, it, it seems almost an unbelievable phenomenon. But believe me, it, it, it's, it's quite significant. It's out there. You can't argue with what people are, are, are suffering, right? Are, are, do we, it feels like we, are, we do have a much better understanding now of the risks of food allergies, a better awareness of them now. Um, is that, do you get that sense as well that we are, in fact, moving forward? forward on this and i think what so just like we talk about giving these foods at an early age to these kids to prevent food allergy what we've been doing in our clinic and and, and elsewhere um for about the past decade and it's increasing now is where you basically start by giving very small amounts of what they're allergic to to build their tolerance. And we call that oral immunotherapy. Uh, this was actually, you know, believe it or not, this was actually described over a hundred years ago. Really has not, did not catch on probably largely because of the fact that we just didn't have as many food allergies. Now, now that we're trying to deal with it, we will look back and say, oh, this is a great option. But it starts with a very, very small amount. And we start, um, I, we, in our clinic, we start about one one thousandth of a peanut, for example. That's a very, very tiny amount. And we gradually, over a period of about six to 12 months, build them up to they're eating about two to three peanuts at a time. It's 
it's fascinating. So we do this with lots of different foods, um, and we had great success with the peanut, and now we're moving on to other foods, tree nuts, sesame, milk, eggs, soy, whatever, you name it. The first actual, the first commercial product has actually been approved in the, in the United States, um, in, in Europe. Um, and it's now been a, it's a peanut flour that you buy in a capsule, you sprinkle it on your food and it does basically the same thing as what we're doing. And, and, it, and it, and it works, you know, and I think, but what also is interesting is that it works and it may well work better in our younger patients. Okay. And I think that that's talk, when we talk about kind of early introduction and, and changing the immune response, et cetera, it's almost like teaching a new skill, you know, teaching a new, learning a new language, if you want. And, and I think teaching it early to our kids, you know, and I, we're, we're treating kids down to the age of like six, seven months of age, you know, almost right after they're diagnosed, trying to get it in there and teach it. And there was a study that just recently came out that showed that if you can treat them at a young age for a couple of years by giving this daily dose of peanuts, about 80% of them can actually stop the treatment for about six months, basically rendering them not necessarily not allergic, but at least in what we consider a remission. And this is a concept that I think is just absolutely fascinating. And we talk about this in other disease states where you talk about remissions, et cetera. We've never actually even thought about this in food allergy. You know, when I first started working, this was a, you know, we would just, you know, diagnosed and diagnose and adios. Here's your here's your epinephrine, and we'll see you in a couple of years for retesting. Yeah, but avoid now peanuts. We're able to yeah, do this. Exactly. Yeah, avoid, yeah, yeah, avoid it and off you go. And yeah. Um, but nowadays it's it's fascinating. Well, Dr. Mack, thank you so much for your time. What a fascinating topic. Um, yeah, it's, it's been, you know, it's one of those mysteries that is out there these days, and it seems like it's everywhere, but it's uh, interesting to find out more about it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All the best.